0: The book of Ephesians, chapter number one. So, Paul has told us, I believe, a, a key verse in all of this is verse number three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know, I thought, I'm sure a lot of people would think it was silly but I would thought about going out there to the copier and making some little notes, pass them out, and just ask you this question. Would you write down two or three things that you thank God for each day? And I really wonder what that would be. In my mind, I already pictured what a lot of it would be. It would be, I thank God for my children, for my home, for my family. I thank God for health, for my job. But I wonder, do we really thank God for the spiritual blessings? That's what's really important, isn't it? Paul said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all Spiritual blessings in heavenly places, not earthly, but heavenly. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestinated us into the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, these are spiritual blessings. "...to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace." You know, (laughs) we're going to hear that over and over again through this first chapter. The riches of God's grace. We hear it in Romans... Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Aren't you thankful for the wonderful, marvelous grace of God that did abound more than your sin? I have a, I have a song in the back of my Bible that Trish sings sometimes, Deeper Than the Stain Has Gone. A wonderful song. Praise the Lord for full salvation. God still reigns upon His throne. And I know the blood still reaches deeper than the stain has gone. So what would we be thankful for? You know, without, without knowing what I've prompted you to write down, what would you have written down? What do you thank God for? Well, Paul is going to go on to say this in verse number 7. And there's no question about this, that the way these spiritual blessings come to us is our union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, a lot of folks would argue with verse number 4, with verse number 5. But I'd say this, they'd say, well, you're receiving those blessings because you are in Christ. I say this for you to come to that uh, conclusion, you'll have to go to about verse number 13, 14 through there, and you'll have to read the book of Ephesians backwards. But I tell you that God, the reason we are in Christ, is because of the work of God. As we tried to think this morning about Psalm 139, David said, Lord, You've known me. You've set me before and behind. But you know, that was, that was David looking at his situation now. But when we look to the climax of that, when we look to that and see where that originated, that was God doing a work in the very beginning, wasn't it? That's what we have here in the book of Ephesians. So verse number 7, In whom He hath made us... He had made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption. So what could we say about that redemption? That redemption, you might say that it was this, that it was a payment for a cancellation of debt. It was being made, as Paul says here in this book, were adopted into the family of God. We were outcast. We were slaves. We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to our own wickedness. We were in corruption. We were children of darkness. But through our union with the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been redeemed. We've been ransomed out of. It means to buy out of. So as you think about that, a payment or a cancellation Brother Paul said this in Romans chapter number 4 and verse number 25. The Word of God says, "...who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification." So why was Jesus delivered? He was delivered because of my sin. He was delivered, and, and what did He do? Did He make redemption possible? No, He did not make redemption possible. He redeemed us. He redeemed us. He didn't make redemption possible. He redeemed us. Thank God I've been redeemed. You say, well, He made redemption possible. No, ma'am and no, sir. He redeemed us. Listen to a few uh, uh, words, a few Scriptures in the Word of God. In the book of John, chapter number 8, the book of John, chapter number 8, in verse number 34, Jesus says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whomsoever committeth sin is the servant or the slave of sin. Jesus Christ came that you and I could be redeemed from that. And He did For those that are saved, for those that have been elect, for those that God chose, for those He predestined to be adopted into the family of God, He has redeemed you. You're redeemed. That that work of redemption is a complete work. It's not a work that makes redemption possible, it's a finished work by the By the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, redemption has been accomplished. Listen to the word of God in Titus chapter number two, verse number fourteen. Titus chapter two verse fourteen. Who gave himself for us? Now who is us? I told you other night every epistle. Every letter in the New Testament, starting in the book of Romans forward to through the book of the Revelation, is to save people. That's it. To save people. This is not the lost people who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous. Of good works. Hebrews 9 verse number 15. Hebrews nine fifteen, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament. That by means of death for the redemption of transgressions. That were under the first testament. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. It's a work of God in the calling isn't it? According to Romans chapter number 8, Those whom He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. And those whom He predestined, He called. And those that He called, He justified. It's all a work of God. You and I have been redeemed in our union to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have redemption. We have been bought. We have been... Uh, 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 another way to look at it, in, in, in the day that Paul wrote this, even that adoption, that was only in, Rome, in, in, Roman, in the Roman realm. That adoption was through being a Roman. Being a Roman citizen. But you know, in the Roman realm, there was multitudes, thousands and thousands of slaves. And slaves were bought and sold for a price. You and I were slaves. What was I slave to? I could say several things. I was a slave to sin. I was a slave to the devil. I was a slave to myself. Honest to God, I was a prisoner of war. I was going to be released through and by the, the offering, the sacrifice of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ I was going to be released as a prisoner of war. And you know, you might say, well, well, did the, 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 the devil own you? <laughs> well, I'll say this. I was a child of darkness. I was under the lordship of the devil. But I was at war with God. I was an opposer to God. I was an opposer to God myself, and you were as well. If you're unsaved today, then you and I are opposers of God. He freed us as prisoners of war. Thank God through the the freedom that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. So now as you think about that, how did God bring this to pass? Was this something that uh, was a surprise? Was this something that God had not seen going to happen? Was this a, a, a foul up in, in man falling? I tell you, Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. Well, God foresaw the fall. He was slain before the fall came. He was slain before there was a world. He was slain before there was a man. Who created the devil? Who created man? Who created the serpent that could talk to the woman? Who created that? God created it every bit. What's going to bring glory and praise to the glory of His grace. Your redemption. Your redemption. Your salvation. Your being saved. You being brought off of the slave market. You being brought as a prisoner of war. You being delivered from your own self. You being delivered from the devil. And you know something? No hope that you could do it. No hope that you could bring that work about. But through Jesus Christ, all the praise, the honor, the glory, to the, pra- the praise to the glory of His grace is going to be brought about by the plan of God. And you, you're going to say, or some folks are going to say, you're saying that God planned sin. Well, let me just say this. Here's something for you to chew on. Did God plan for Jesus Christ to die? How did He plan for Him to die? He planned for Him to die in such a manner that He would take the curse. Right? Cursed is every man that dieth upon the tree. Right? That's in the Old Testament. So the fulfillment of the Word of God was in the plan of God. Was it sinful for those people to crucify an innocent man? Was Jesus an innocent man? So God had a purpose in sin. Whether you want to say the devil caused it, Eve caused it, Adam caused it, Adam fell, God had a purpose. I'm not saying God sinned. I'm saying God had a purpose in sin. I believe that it was one of the most atrocious, most sinful acts, most ungodly, most uh, unrighteous things that ever happened was when man crucified Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But God planned that before the foundation of the world that all the glory, all the honor, all the praise would go to Him for His plan of salvation and redemption for you. We could say a lot more about God's purpose of sin. Was it sin about how how sinful was it for Joseph's family, his brothers, to do what they did? How sinful was it for Potiphar's wife to tell that lie? Do you remember what we read this morning? Knit together. Woven together. A curious work. A curious work. A work wrought. A knitting together. You see, we'll get to another verse here in just a little while. He worketh all things. Not some things. He worketh all things. What about those little things? What about those things when Joseph's brother throwed him in the pit? That was one of the things that God worked. That was one of all things that God worked to bring Joseph to be the prime minister of Egypt, to bring all the storehouses full of grain, to survive, to sustain 70 people that was down there called the chosen and the elect and the family and Israel and Jacob and the people of God. All of those things was for that. I don't know how you're going to get around that. All of those things. God worketh all things for the good to them that love Him, them that called according to His purpose. God That in uh, God doeth, worketh all things, worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Was God influenced? (laughs) God is not influenced. God is not a God of reaction. You and I are men and women. This is the truth. This is the reason there's no free will, folks. There is no free will because you are a creature that is constantly a creature of reaction. We move and we do by reaction. We react to the circumstance. And you might say, well, I make decisions all the time that are not according to what's going on. No, when you look backward, you'll see there's a reason that you acted, you made your choice, you did what you did. There is a reason behind that. God is the only reason free person, free being that there is in all of the world. He is a God of action and not a God of reaction. He is not influenced by you. Oh, preacher, prayer changes God. It does not. Prayer does not change God. God brings you to a place of prayer to change you. Well, it looks to me like God repented. That's your view. That's your view. That's our view on a horizontal human nature. It looks like God repented. God cannot repent. You can read it in your Bible. That is what you and I see from the natural realm. God acts. He does not react. So was this plan, was this an afterthought? Was it a foul up brought about by Adam? It was not. This was to the glory, to the praise of the glory of His grace. In whom we have redemption. So if you would read with me just a little bit more in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 10. Listen to these words. It is written, there is none righteous, no not one. Do I need to be forgiven? Do I need redemption? Do I... What kind of shape is man in? I tell you, man needs a Redeemer. There is no hope for man because man has sinned. How about all man? We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. According to Romans chapter number 7 and verse number 14, listen to these words. 7 and 14, the Bible says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin, to traffic into sin. That's man's nature. Man is trafficked into sin. You know where I got that from? I inherited that from my mother and my father. They inherited it from their mothers and their fathers. And they inherited it right on down the line. You know where that came from? That came from Adam. I inherited the nature of sin. I inherited that from my father. Uh, predecessors from my family but you know something I'm not redeemed with corruptible seed I'm not redeemed with corruptible blood I'm not redeemed with the blood of bulls and of goats and of calves and of heifers and of turtle doves but I've been redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundation of the world and he was ordained to that he was pre uh, that was a predetermination of God before the foundation of the world that was the way it was going to be for His glory for His glory there, there's no way around it there's just no way around it so in, in chapter number 8 Romans chapter 8 and verse number thir- I'm, I'm sorry Romans chapter 8 and verse number 21 listen to these words Romans 8, verse 21. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption. You know what we are, folks? We're going to die. We're going away. We're failing. We are corrupt. We are likely to die. We will die. But you know what I've been delivered from? Through the Lord Jesus Christ, I have been delivered from that corrupt nature. I realize he says here in 8, he's talking about the deliverance and deliverance from corruption. We're going to get a new body one day. But I say by the Word of God in Romans chapter number 8, I am delivered. I have been glorified. I have been justified. I have been sanctified. I have been set apart by God. I am now glorified in a certain sense by the Holy Spirit of God that dwells within me. I have a down payment. I have have the earnest of my glorification now through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to get the completeness of it one day with a new body. Jesus in whom we have redemption. What have we been redeemed from? We've been redeemed from sin. We've been redeemed from corruption. We've been redeemed from death. We've been redeemed from the slave market. We've been redeemed from being a prisoner of war. We've been redeemed from ourselves. Thank God for the price that was paid. What was the price for my redemption? The blood of the Son of God. The blood of the Son of God. So, as you, you, you think about that, listen to what the Bible says in the book of Galatians. Book of Galatians, chapter 1, and verse number 3 and 4. Grace be unto you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God. Whose will? Your will? God's will. The will of God and our Father. Chapter number 3 in the book of Galatians, verse number 13. Christ hath redeemed us. Do you see that past tense? I am redeemed and you are redeemed. We are redeemed. Christ has redeemed us. The letter to the Galatians, chapter number 1. Paul, an apostle Not of men, neither by man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. The letter is written to the churches and the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Isn't that wonderful? You know what I was under? I was under the curse. I was going to die and go to hell. I was under the law, and according to what Paul said a little farther in this chapter, we were all shut up under sin. Jesus redeemed us. We were in prison, weren't we? We were prisoners of the law. He delivered us from prison through the shed blood of the darling Lamb of God. He had redeemed us from the curse of the law Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being a made a curse for us. For it is written, where is it written? Deuteronomy 21-23. Cursed is everyone that hangeth upon a tree. <laughs> Jesus took the curse of the law, redeemed me by His blood, and, I am brought out of the curse, out from under the curse, according to uh, chapter 3 and verse number 22. But the scripture hath concluded all, 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 but the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise might be by faith of Jesus Christ be given unto them that believe. Now, how are we going to believe? I'm going to take faith to believe, right? Who gives faith? God gives faith? Boy, you know, it just seems like every way I go, it always keeps going back to God. Every way I turn, it looks like that as far as I'm concerned, I'm chopped out of the picture, and it all seems to be glory, glory, glory to the praise of His grace. Praise be to the glory of His grace. How glorious this grace. So why blood? Why blood? Why does He not say, why doesn't He just say Jesus died for us? No, the Bible said by blood, by the Word of God, in whom we have redemption through His blood. If I look in Leviticus chapter number 17, Leviticus chapter 17, he says this, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar. Who gave it to you? God. God gave blood. Paul is going to say to the church at Ephesus when he's getting ready to go to Jerusalem, over the church whom God shed His blood. God gave His blood. Well, it looks like Jesus. Well, it is Jesus. But Jesus is God in the flesh. So, uh, uh, um, 1711, Leviticus. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it unto you, I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement. What's that? Well, we could say it in a couple of ways. It's a covering... Or we could say it's this, it's an expiation of sin. It's to do away with our sin it, for an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So if I look, if I look in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28. Acts chapter 20, 28. Paul is at Ephesus, headed to Jerusalem. Acts 2028 20, Take heed therefore, over yourselves to the flock to all the flock over which God, the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers, to feed, feed the Church of God, which He has purchased. there's redemption isn't it? to buy, to buy, to redeem, to ransom, to buy away, to buy out of, which He had purchased with His own blood. So why is it the blood? Well, all the Old Testament. You know what they did? You know what pleased God? You know what satisfied God? You know what was a propitiation for God? What was it that was a covering for God? It was always the blood. It was always the sacrifice. It was always the taking of a life. It was the blood that was put on the altar. It was the blood that was taken behind the veil. It was the blood that was let out at the altar in front of the veil. It was the blood that was let out there at the offering of sacrifice and offering. It was always the blood. God's not changed His plan, ladies and gentlemen. All the Old Testament is types and shadows of what God was going to do in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He was going to give His blood that you and I could be bought. It'll take blood. It'll take the blood to redeem us, to buy us. It'll take the blood. It'll take the blood in the sense that it was a violent death. It was a death of one for another. Isn't that what we see in the Old Testament? What did they do? I'll tell you what they did. They brought their lamb down there. And they laid their hands on it. What were they doing? In a, tra- in a transfer. That's right, Vaughn. They were in a type and a shadow transferring their sin onto that lamb. And then what did they do? They took a knife and they slit its throat. And they let the blood out of it. And that blood was what satisfied God for one year that 's what satisfied god that 's why God was able to overlook why how god uh, uh, w- w- was able to push out the judgment for sin that God was able to push it out for another year. They took that blood and they put that on the horns of the altar. They took that. The high priest took that and put it behind the veil up there on the mercy seat. He did that, friend, that you and I might be able to escape the judgment of God. But Jesus Christ, it wasn't for his sin. It was one for another, wasn't it? And through and by faith, you know what we do? We are come in union with the Lord Jesus by faith. And what happened? Uh, God put his, his, he put, God put my sin on the back of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what he gave me in exchange? He gave me his righteousness. Leviticus 16, to some of you very familiar, to others maybe not, the scapegoat, what happened here, one of them was killed, one of them was killed and the blood was shed, what happened to the other, what happened to the other one? Verse fifteen thou shalt kill the goat of the sin offering for the people and bring the blood within the veil, and do that blood do with that blood as thou did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat before the before the mercy seat, and he shall make an atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the children because of their transgression and all of their sins. And he will do for the tabernacle of the congregation that remaineth among them in the midst of their uncleanliness. And there shall be no man in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goeth in to make atonement. I ask you this who who made the offering unto God? Jesus Christ, according to what he said to Mary, he said, I have not yet ascended unto the Father. Dot touch me not, Mary. Who took that blood? He alone. He alone took that blood and put it on the mercy seat on the altar of God in heaven above. He didn't go behind the veil. Oh, I tell you, the veil was already rent. He didn't go behind the veil and put it on the mercy seat down there in Jerusalem. A friend, he ascended and went from uh, from Jerusalem to heaven and made an offering unto God for my sin and for your sin alone. No one else. No one else. Now listen to verse 20. And when he had made an end of reconciling the holy place and the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their trespasses and all of their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness, never to be seen again. So let's look at it in two ways. Jesus Christ on Sunday morning got up, didn't he? Sin free, no sin. There was no sin. He couldn't have got up if there was any sin. But look at you and I. My sin was put on Him. And you know what He did? He took my sin and cast it into the sea of God's forgetfulness never to be remembered again. My sin shall never ever be found again because of the blood, because... I am in Him, in whom we have redemption through His blood. So now, you just think with me just just a little bit here. Think about this, what God has done for us through this blood, through this propitiation. According according to Romans chapter number 3 and verse 25, the Bible said, Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation... That means an atonement, a satisfaction. The word propitiation is the same word that we get mercy seat. Do you know what Jesus is? Jesus is my mercy seat to cover the law. I was under the law, but He died and became a curse for me. Cursed is everyone that died on the tree. I was cursed. He t- uh, the curse of the law, He took that. And then he was made the covering. He was the mercy seat that covered all of the law. He became my propitiation. He is my atonement. He is my redemption. He is the sin offering that was made for me that I could be made free through his blood. We've been bought. Been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. By his blood, through his blood, I am free. Through his blood, I in whom we have redemption through his blood. Listen a little farther. Ephesians 2, chapter 2 in the book of Ephesians, verse 13. But now, as Christ, but now in Christ, you who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who knew. Who had made both one, who had made both one and had broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain one new man so making peace through his blood, we've been brought in Colossians one fourteen Colossians one let's read thirteen and fourteen. This will go for the forgiveness of our sins as well. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness. You see, that's past tense. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that wonderful? Hebrews 9.12. Hebrews 9.12. So would anything do with the blood of bulls and of goats and of heifer? Will that do it? No. Neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by His own blood He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works? Verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission, no pardon, no freedom, no deliverance. The deliverance, the pardon, the freedom through the blood. The only way. First Peter, we've already alluded to it. Not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible. Verse number 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained, known before, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So, what are we? We're redeemed through the blood. Who we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. So, that word forgiveness, it means to carry away. Uh, maybe, maybe you could see it in this. In 2 Samuel, forgiveness. Second Samuel 12.13 David said, Second Samuel. So Nathan said, You're the man. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against God. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord hath put away To carry away thy sin, thou shalt not die. What what was David? He was forgiven. What are you? I say this, folks. The Lord Jesus carried our sin. He carried our sin. He tells us in Matthew 26, 28, I believe. We've said this more than once through this little study. Matthew 26 and 28. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to His disciples. And He said, Take, eat, this is My body. He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, Drink ye all of this. For this is the blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission, the pardon, the purpose the freedom of our sins, through His blood, we have been freed. Our sins have been put away. Psalm one hundred three, twelve. Psalm one hundred three, verse twelve. Kevin read it, I believe. I'm, am I right, Kevin? Didn't you just read this just a few days ago? As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. That may not be the same one. But can you see that? Where is my sin? It's not to be found. It's in the wilderness. He took it away with a scapegoat. It's took away, it's taken away. Isaiah forty four twenty two. Isaiah forty four verse twenty two. I'll read 21 and 22. Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for thou art my servant. I have formed thee. Thou art my servant. O Israel, thou shalt not be forgotten of me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgression, as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Thank God for that. This is a work of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a work of God. Micah chapter seven verse eighteen, Micah verse seven, chapter seven verse eighteen. I'm sorry. Who is a God like an unto Thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by transgression of the of the remnant of His heritage? He's got a heritage, but he's just got a remnant that's redeemed. Just got a remnant that are genuinely saved. Does all the world belong to God? Has he done something special for Israel? Now let's make sure we get it right, the Israel of God. Right? Right? I've not listened to the Sunday school, but you know, I I, I, I I believe Anthony probably covered Jacob. What happened to Jacob? I tell you, God done a work in Jacob. All things. He worketh all things. After the counsel of His own will. <laughs> I wonder why that Jacob got the news. Yeah, Esau's coming. Didn't say what manner of what frame of mind he was in, he was going to be glad to see Jacob. He was tickled to death that Jacob was coming. What Jacob heard Esau's coming and there's 400 men with him. God's working, isn't He? Is God working on Jacob's heart? God is working all things. After the counsel of His will, and one is, what's going to happen to Jacob? I tell you, Jacob's going to get honest with God tonight. Jacob is going to pour out down at the book, Brook Jabbot. He is going to empty himself this night. He's going to get a new name and a new wall, isn't he? Thank God. <laughs> so in Micah chapter 7 and verse number 18, Who is a God like an unto thee that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob, and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the days of old. Boy, I tell you what, that's a mighty fine promise, isn't it? To you and I, who are redeemed, redeemed, so we're redeemed. So, just a little bit more. We're talking about a finished work. We've already read to you Colossians chapter one, verse thirteen and fourteen. Who had delivered us from the power of darkness, translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Romans chapter 8. You know, here's a God that so loved the world that He didn't even spare His own Son. Isn't that something? Romans chapter 8 verse 1 and 2. There is now no, now, now no condemnation to them who are in Christ. Where is my redemption? Where is my salvation? Where is my forgiveness? Through the blood of Jesus. No condemnation to the Him who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. How can we say we're walking? Are we on cloud nine all of the time? Is that it? No, we are led by the Spirit of God that dwells in those that have been born again. That's how how that comes about. For the law of Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free. I'm free. I've been pardoned. I've been redeemed. I've been made free from... from the the law of sin and death. Go with me now to Romans chapter 8, verse number uh, number 31. I'll skip 28 through there, but just listen. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, listen now, but delivered him up for us all. Who is us? Who's us? Who's this letter written to? And I'm going to pin that down, I believe. I'm going to, I want you to see this, folks. Well, he was delivered for everybody. Let's see. Let's see. So first of all, the letter was written to believers first. Spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Does he give the world all things? Let's go a little farther. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect, it is God that justifies. Now, who's justified? According to what we read a few verses previous, all those that are called are justified. Well, preacher, everybody's called. Is everybody justified then? So we must get the meaning of the words in the right context, mustn't we? Let's go a little farther. I believe we can get it even closer. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. So let's say this. Christ died for everybody. Let's say that. Let's just say that to start with. Yea, rather, that is risen again who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So He died as my offering, and now He is my high priest making intercession for me. Is He doing that for a lost and dying world? He is not doing that for a lost and dying world. So those He died for, He did not change he did not do a work of dying and then a different work for a different group of intercession as our high priest. No, the same group that He is interceding for is the same group that He died for. You see, He is both our sacrificed and our high priest. Aaron was only the high priest. The sacrifice was a lamb. Jesus was the lamb of God, and also the high priest who took his own blood and carried it into heaven. And he is the same one that died for me, is also making intercession for those who are in him. You see, he's one he has not changed his job. His job was not to be a sacrifice for one group and an intercessor and a high priest for another group. Who was Aaron making the sacrifice for? Not that he was the sacrifice, but who was the sacrifice for? The children of Israel. Who was he a representative of? For as the priest, the children of Israel. Who did Jesus die for? Who did Jesus die for? The children of Israel spiritually. The Jew, which is one inwardly and not one outwardly. He is the one making intercession for a lost world. No ma'am and no sir. No, He's making intercession for the justified. He's making intercession for the foreknown. He's making intercession for the predestined. He's making intercession for those who are called. That's the group that He's making intercession for. So the all that He died for is all of us. Who the letter was written to in the beginning, the church. We need to get it right, don't we? We need to make sure that we're getting it right. Well, He died for all is the way I see it. Okay, you just stick with that. And when we get over to uh, verse number 10, I believe it is, He worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. He worketh all things after the counsel of the will and according to His purpose. Then let's see if we still want all there too. Because if we believe that it's up to man, He's not working all things, is He? He's working with what He's presented, isn't He? You know what most of our world has got today? They've got a God that is a servant unto them. They've got a God who if I do, God is obligated to do because I do. I'm I'm not serving a God who is subservant to me. I'm serving a God and I am His servant. So I believe, I believe that you could see this if you would. Verse number 34, that this same One that rather, that Christ died... Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. So he was the offering and the intercessor for the same people. He was an offering. He was an offering for all of Egypt and all of the world. And all of the acts, and all the Perizzites and Hivites and all of those people uh, uh, surrounding the tabernacle down there. He wasn't an offering for all of them. What Aaron was offering was specific, specifically for the children of Israel. And he was the priest for the children of Israel. Jesus Christ died for all of us. And He is our High Priest. He is not the High Priest of this world. He is not. He is not making intercession for this world. So I, I, I'd, I'd, like to just, uh, I'd like to just give you another thought. And I'd like to ask you this. Some of you that are history people might know the answer to this. Anybody know Alfred Yodel? Would you know a foreign minister named Shigenmitsu, or a general named Yumezu? Yumezu. You might not know this name. William Bedell Smith. Does that ring a bell? Does that ring a bell to anybody? I bet this one will. General Douglas MacArthur. you know what all of those names were? They were representatives for people. Alfred Yodel was the German chief of staff of the German army. At 2.41 a.m. on May the 7th, 1945, Yodel signed the papers of complete surrender of World War II. Walter Bedell Smith was the representative for General Dwight Eisenhower and President Roosevelt. On September the 2nd at 9.04 a.m. on the deck of the Missouri in Tokyo Bay, Foreign Minister Shigen Mitsu and General Yumizu signed the papers of complete surrender before Douglas MacArthur. This is quite amazing, really. MacArthur was a representative for the Allied forces, which was made up of the U.S., China, Britain, USSR. Australia, Canada, France, Netherlands, New Zealand. Boy, he represented a lot of people, didn't he? But my Lord Jesus Christ, he represents all of the church. I read in Colossians that nailed to his cross, was all of my sins. All of the charges. And you know what He did that day? I tell you, you talk about a surrender. Thank God He surrendered unto the will of God. Died on the cross of Calvary. And friend, I am free today because of the representation of the Lord Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 5. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Don't forget this. Don't skim over this. And all things are of God, who hath, past tense, reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to wit. In other words, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us a word of reconciliation. Verse number 21, For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. You know, the day that declaration of surrender of war in Tokyo Bay, you know, one of the paragraphs said this, all prisoners of war shall be liberated immediately. Thank God for our representative, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're redeemed through His blood. And I've not even got to the last part of the verse. According to the riches of His grace.